Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, sister. I am Jaylan Boyce, your host, and you are on the She's Awesome podcast. Today, I have one of those powerhouse women who makes career success, family happiness, self-care, life-work balance look so easy that it could get a bit annoying. But... Funny enough, not only she's damn good at all the above, uh, but she's also very vulnerable, open and honest about all of it and how nothing is perfect and she's in peace with all that. So not only you will like her, but you will love her. Who is she? Ready? So I am so honored and very excited to interview in this episode Viv Paxinos, the CEO of the very, very glamorous private members club Albright, which holds, a, I think, more than 500,000 members operating from the Mayfair headquarters. Viv is amazing. She really believes in the power of the community. She's committed to developing her team. She's driven uh, by this idea of empowering people to achieve the results that they want. And she's really passionate about advancing women in their professional life. So I'm telling you, you are in a treat. Um, I know that we usually bring in this podcast entrepreneurs. But if you look at Viv's career, it's not just very entrepreneurial, but also it's really inspiring and impressive. So listen to that woman. She will blow your mind. Hello, everyone. As I said in my introductions, I have Viv Paxino, CEO of All Bright, with me today. And I am really, really excited to be able to talk to her and learn more about her journey. Hi, Viv. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited too. So, Viv, um, you are one of the rare non-business owners that I brought on this platform. And uh, the reason why is I found your background quite impressive and inspiring. And, um, you know, it's really um, rare to see that kind of crescendo of career movements. And I'm so excited to deep dive in your story and get to know you better, to be honest. Um Let's start with the classical intro, shall we? And um, can you tell us, you've been leading Albright since October 2022, right? Um, and can you tell us a bit more about how did you land there? What was your journey? Yes, absolutely. So I actually joined Albright in June 2022. And I joined uh, in a different role. So I joined as the uh, CEO for the business and then moved up to the CEO role fairly quickly. So I was asked to move up to, to that role within um, less than a few months of being at the company. Um, but what led me here was I've had a career in corporates, big, big corporates. I've had a career in scale-ups, mid-sized companies. And when I had, uh, during my last role, which was um, in the middle of COVID, when I had my, my second child, I decided to go back to work fairly quickly 
it was just you know a few weeks in and i just thought i'm home so i can work i had a big team um, i just thought it's it's fine it's you know i can do it uh, but what i what happened is i found myself completely exhausted by the end of that last year and not really enjoying work or felt like i was being the best that i can be and the best leader so i decided it was time to move on and i think like so many women during covid you just reflect on what you're what you want you reflect on what's important your your priority your purpose and i was i had a choice to continue the traditional route that i was in or to find something that was a little bit different and 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 pivot my career and i really wanted something that merged my passion for purpose and profit and so Albright does that perfectly. I'm really passionate about making sure that women are achieving their career aspirations, that we're closing that gender pay gap, um, and that we're creating a workplace where all genders thrive. And then I'm also, what I do really well is business transformation and growth. It's what I had, I've done in my entire career. So this was a perfect opportunity to bring both together. Fabulous. So, okay, I, there are so many things that I want to deep dive a little bit more. Um, a few weeks after your second child, are you, are you crazy, woman? How did that happen? Every leader is a little bit crazy. <laughs> um, uh, Why? What did you yeah. do to yourself? <laughs> I figured I was home. We were all working from home, so I can start dialing in for calls. And it was probably not to my team's... Um, it was probably a disservice to the team because I was one one foot in, one foot out, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's never that's never um, helpful from a leader. You're either in or you're out. And so I wanted, I didn't want to completely let go, but I, I wasn't completely in otherwise. Uh, otherwise, so I think it was it was quite a, a difficult time. Um, and then I just once after a few weeks, I got like really into it. Then it led to me being really exhausted at the end of the year, right? Because you just I didn't take the time to recover after giving birth and, and so on. I just thought I could do it all. Yeah, that's um, that's a great learning, I guess. You know, I, I remember when I had my um, my child, I was like breastfeeding um, uh, like day five or six and uh, and coaching the um, CEO. And I was like, uh, I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm going to fall asleep or the baby's going to cry. So I do, I do relate to that. And, and I guess um, what I can say is I do regret from a point of view of like, I didn't enjoy neither of them hundred percent, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I do relate to that. Um, you said something that is quite um, interesting as well. And I want to know how did you live that moment so you went into a new company as CEO or okay between CEO and CEO maybe there's not a big big you know leap that would squeeze your heart to that and you'll be like frozen uh of fear but how did that feel that jump you know the, the company is new everybody's new the team is new and you came for something and then you are given a much bigger responsibility how, how did you accept that yeah, well, it's a big difference, and it's amazing what one letter in your title, what an impact it makes. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, as um, CEO and, you know, I never not see myself as the business owner. I'm running the company, and I report to, our, like, our board, and and I, I see myself as this is, you know, my company that I'm running because that's my responsibility. And, um, and so 
one, I had to, I couldn't say no. I knew it was an opportunity that I needed to jump into. I obviously took a step back and thought, gosh, okay. Um, I didn't expect it. Um, I knew I could do the job, but it was, it was challenging because it was getting to know the team. It was getting to know a community, getting to know a new market. I didn't have any experience. I do have, you know, my background is really in transforming businesses and understanding where the growth opportunity are, are, are where the pain points are. I'm just bringing in a great team to, to get there. Um, and it took some time. I'd have to say it's taken me a year to really feel at ease in my CEO role, especially as first time CEO especially, you know, in a, in a small business, a female founded business where, you know, um, the founding team is no, is, is not, is no longer part. So you, you have to, there's, there's a lot of um, dynamics. There's a lot that I had to pick up and a lot of learnings and a lot of learnings in entrepreneurship in the last 18 months that I've been here, right. From fundraising to restructuring, to working on the strategy, to different business models, which, you know, never had to worry about cash flow when you're in a, you know, a, a company like a big corporate. I was, I was responsible for close to a billion in annual revenue in one of my roles, right? So cash flow is not something you really worry about. I was never worried about what is our DNI strategy? What is our learning and development strategy? So you have all these other things to, to think about. And, um, but I wouldn't change it. I, I always find comfort in the fact that we are all exactly where we're supposed to be. So I knew there was, you know, the, the, this was part of my journey. So you kind of just, I just, you have to, you have to lean into it and go with it, right? I, I'm, you kind of go with the flow and uh, and do your best. I think it's a it's a big fearless step, and I don't believe that maybe it was that fearless. And I want to go a little bit deep in that because I also know that you do talk a lot about ambition. But before we go to the ambition part, so it, I have had a moment in my career when I was in the corporate where, you know, I, w- I came to UK as um, group account director and then I became, uh, and then it, like similar to you, n- I didn't know the country, the culture, people, the company. And then they said, okay, why don't you become a client services director? And then I got into it. And I, to date, I always say, did I actually burn my wings in there? Because it was, I was, I was 29, you know, young. And I loved the fact that I was going to have that kind of, title that never happened before in that company at that age you know young woman like it was in the newsletters and stuff like oh our youngest CS and I loved it and I was like really into it now you're in a completely different um situation of course you have the baggage of um expertise knowledge and and uh, enough of failure enough of uh, enough of everything to kind of re Re, re-embrace yourself and, and get into this new CEO role. Um, still, did you have the holy shit moments? I did, yeah. I remember what my first event that I was hosting here at Albright. Um, I was getting out, I, uh, you know, I was walk, as I was walking towards the, um, our, 
our first floor where the event was taking place, I was I was putting on my eye makeup and my hands were shaking. I was like, oh my <laughs> God, you know, what if I mess this up? What if, you know, what if they don't like me? What if I do something wrong? What if I disappoint the team? And, you know, it's natural to have all those thoughts, but you kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, fuck it, just go for it, right? And you just do. And I think that's, you know, I'm okay failing. I'm okay making mistakes. Um, I, I would say that if I look back in the 18 months, I've, I've learned so much and I haven't always gotten it right. And and that's something that, you know, as a woman, it's really important that we, we get really good at, like cultivate that habit to disappoint others is good, right? It's, it's, it's really... I thought, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to learn from it. And, and we're afraid, especially as a, sometimes as a C-suite leader, you don't want to get things wrong. You don't want to get embarrassed. You don't want to disappoint. And there's times where, you know, I've, I think, oh, I could have done a better speech or, you know, not too long ago, towards the end of last year, I was hosting these amazing women, about 30 women who I've looked up to in the industry. And I thought, God, I have to stand up and talk in front of them. Like, I was really nervous and I actually stopped in the middle of my speech and I said, oh, I'm just really nervous. And they, they actually all stood up and started to clap, right? Oh. And I think that's, you know, you have, to, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be open and, you know, that you have ups and downs. And if I do royal one week and I don't the other, that's, that's fine, right? You can't, you know, we're not going to be perfect all the time. So I'm, I have no issue getting things wrong and failing. So... I just thought, like, what's the worst that can happen if I take this role? If anything, I'm just going to learn from it, right? And and I, I just focus on what where I want to take the company, where I want to take the team. And I focus on the impact that I'm also having, right? Both from a commercial success, but also from a purpose, from a from a purpose approach. Beautiful. I love what you're saying that, you know, um, I'm okay with failing. Yeah. yeah, and 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 uh, giving that, that, when did you get that maturity and and wisdom? Like, I'm okay that I'm not gonna be perfect all the time. I'm not gonna deliver hundred percent all the all the time, and I'm okay to fail. What? How? How did you? Were you always like this? Is it cultural, or or did you actually have to work on it? I had to work on it, and I, I've been very lucky that I've had great leaders who have taught me. Like I was. You know, growing up um, to my family's Greek. So when you grow up, um, you know, if you're a child of immigrant parents, you have a different, I think, mentality where you have to succeed, right? They've left their country to give you a better life. It's the expectation that you do better than they did. And that's, that's constantly, you're constantly reminded of that, right? So that's where my drive came from. Like, I have to do well, right? my parents left where they had nothing and it's really important and that's ingrained into your work ethic and your ambition and so I was I constantly was going for more going for more but there's a point in your career where you you say okay well do I need more do I just need to get better what I'm doing and think about improving and it's okay if I'm not constantly moving up Um, so I think that's what happened to me I was in a role uh, a few years ago and I, I had a great leader and he gave me some really clear feedback really tough feedback and it was great. And I think it's, I, I think it comes with experience. It comes with maturity where you think, okay, maybe, well, I'm not all that good at everything. Uh, you know, uh, and and, and oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay to admit, you know, that was wrong and that was a mistake. And, and most of the time we don't because we're afraid of what people will think, how it will reflect. 
Um, but I think that's just tapping into being authentic and being being yourself, right? And and once you are, people either embrace that or not. So I think at some point, I think it comes, you know, for me with age, I think the older you get, the less you worry about what people think, the less you worry about, is this person, are they going to like me? What's the industry going to think if I do this? It doesn't really matter as long as, you know, you're connected to your purpose and your why. And I often go back to that. It is so true. And I guess really age age impacts as well so um i'm from turkish background and my parents are high achievers so one was an architect the other one was a doctor and and they always had this speech like you like you gotta you gotta work hard you gotta da, 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 da. and two years ago they exited their business so they they were architects and doctors and then they stopped it they founded their um real estate company and then, of course, it grew. It became the uh, best in Turkey and best in Europe. Da da da. You know, Remax. Yeah. You have it in that. So yeah. they had one of Remax franchises, and then they sold it last year, two years ago. And now I go to see them. They they half of the time they live uh, around the corner from my house in London. I see them, and and my mom, who could not even like bear the idea that it wasn't like I wouldn't get 100% from a an exam. She's like, oh, stop really working that hard. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to be the best. I'm like, mom, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late now. But it is so true. Like they, the, with the age, you, you fail so many times that you accept that there will be ups and downs. Thank you so much for sharing that so um, openly. And I think we also, for me anyway, you create um, tools and frameworks to help you deal with how you react. You know, you learn like how to to understand how your brain works, right? And I've, you know, I read a lot about neuroscience. I try to understand uh, in the last few years. So, you know, and, and you understand how to manage situations, whether they're, when the, when they're not perhaps the outcomes that you've, you, you wanted, right? Um, and then taking this role, I'm also really comfortable asking lots of questions, mm-hmm. no matter how silly they might be, but I just need to make sure that everything is really, really clear in my head and I understand everything. So I know how to navigate the business. So I just ask a lot of questions all the time. That's the best leadership, right? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to put you a little bit um, under the spotlight, but maybe you have the answer right away is um, you talked about like mental frameworks, do you have anything that you can share with us that like that actually really helped you in front of, in front of a challenging situation? Yeah, I have a really simple uh, method that I do for anything. It could be family, like personal work, but I think whenever a situation or even a thought comes through my my brain, I, I take a moment to assess it. One, I try to acknowledge whether that thought is true or not, because you're you know, your brain is meant to protect you. So mm. it'll tell you things that are not necessarily true. So I often take a step back and think, okay, is this thought, is what I'm thinking true or not? And if it's not, then I just say, okay, time to move on. And I make it go away. And I think of something else. And if it's true, my next question is, can I do something about it? Yes or no. Um, if I can't do anything about it, then I just tell my brain to give me another thought. If I can do something about it, then I th- sit down and I think about that solution. So for me, taking those steps, and I've, I've shared this a lot, and like it takes a few minutes to go through that process. Mm-hmm. It just 
allows you to take a breather, reflect. And it's so much about how we react to situations. And I think, again, that comes with just understanding how your, your brain works, understanding that you're not your thoughts and that we are like we are very much in control of how we react to situations now sometimes it doesn't work in my favor you know when i had my uh, you know uh, um, somebody um close to me uh, a few weeks ago that that helps me with childcare resign i flipped right <laughs> I, like, I didn't i didn't take my own advice but on the, on the majority of things i usually do right so, but I think from a business point of view, that method always helps and it just allows you to just take a step and just really b- reflect and, and ask yourself that question, is that thought really, you know, is it real or not? Because sometimes this, again, our brain is, is meant to protect us. So it'll say things that, you know, are, are meant to make us feel better, but it doesn't really. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so relating to what you're saying. Um, episode that I released last um, uh, week on She's Awesome podcast, I was talking about exactly this, like, and I actually kind of, I do read a lot on uh, neuroscience as well, but I kind of had that epiphany moment um, in one of my jet-lagged nights (laughs) where I woke up at 3 a.m. and I said to myself, oh my God, I have so much to do tomorrow. Now I'm not going to be able to sleep. And now, you know, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. And I was starting to feel that panic coming on to me. And then I was able to do exactly what you said, like, hang on a second, stop two seconds. And then I was going literally like a scientist on my brain and and choosing the thoughts and and categorizing them. And, And then I was like, oh, Actually, I have the power to choose, choose that thought, leave it, put it aside, hop on it and and travel with that thought. Like it's in my power. But as you say, sometimes, especially in in a, in a, in a more probably emotionally involved topics, I flip as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't help it. It's my my Greek. Uh, uh, but I would say that ninety percent of the time, I so I try and visualize like a stop sign, and that allows me to stop, think, assess the thought, and then make a decision based on that. Yeah, that's that's a that's it's a great a little hack that we that I use, and and I think it, it works most of the time. Well, that's a great hack, and thanks for sharing. Um, right, I'm gonna shift the gears and talk a little bit about um, your environment of work, which is women, women, women now, right? With Albright. Um, You know, the upcoming International Women's Day um, theme is uh, inspire inclusivity. So in that sense, I just wanted to like know, what does it feel like to work in mainly women-filled environment what is missing? What is great about it? And um, because I work in a mainly women-filled environment as well, what are your thoughts around how can we push it forward? Um, so when you know when I think about so you mean here at Albright or just yeah yeah so you know we're you were yes we're female dominated but we do have men on the team. And and I think that's very important, right? Because it's important to have, like, I believe in that true diversity 
and that inclusion means all genders, you know, uh, so, and, and it's, it's great to balance the different energies, right? Female and male and feminine and masculine energy. Yeah. Um, and women can be masculine and men can be feminine, right? But it's just that balance of the energy is really important. So what we, what we try, like for what, for us, why it's important to move forward is when you look at, you know, the stats, when it comes to women in the workplace, we're still not where we need to be. Women, men get promoted at a faster rate. Um, the gender pay gap is going to take another 130 years. Um, there's still not enough um, female CEOs. What we've got nine percent of our, you know, um, female CEOs here in, uh, in the FTSE 100. So that's what we're trying to drive forward. And so, and and why it's important, you know, for me, it's 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 really simple. Like women are the largest consumer in the world, right? They have the highest purchasing power by. No, 2028, their purchasing power will be 80% of the world. Like you know, um, so really high purchasing power. The most important market in the world is the female market. Um, but also, you know, we're all after the same thing, which is you know, from a business point of view, big corporates. It's all around driving growth and innovation, and that doesn't come without diversity. And that means diversity of genders, diversity of cultures, diversity of age. And for us, it makes sense to focus on women because they're 51% of the population, right? So let's start there because there's just, there's, you know, when it comes to diversity, there's a lot of areas that you can focus on. But if you start with the majority, which is women, then you can think about, okay, what am I doing for other populations in the workplace as well? Um, and for us, it's really simple. We want women to, you know, connect with their full potential. We want, we want to try and change the stats positively. You know, we, we know that some of the work we're doing has helped reduce the gender pay gap by a couple percentage points for our partners. And that's, you know, that's what gets us out of bed, right? Whenever we hear stories of women succeeding in our community, then that, you know, that's, that's really what the fuel that keeps us going because we know we've had a small part to play. Does that answer the question? It does. It does, definitely. Um, I, my experience, so uh, we work mainly with small to micro business owners, you know, um, and they are, and our aim is to push them towards a million mark because, you know, the stats, it's like a handful of women business owners get to million mark. And actually over 95, um, yeah, over 95% of women are uh, on business uh, owners work below VAT threshold, which is 80K. So yeah. it's it's kind of like really really low, but that is the majority of women-owned businesses. Now, I would love to get to one of your topic of passion. If I remember when I first met you, you talk about ambition and reframing ambition, and I think there are, there will be a lot of thoughts that we can you know, copy paste in entrepreneurship as well for that population. So tell me a little bit more about that reframing ambition. What does it mean? How do you see this? Yeah, it came from our community, to be honest. So one of the, you know, we do a lot of listening and that was really important for me in my first um, six to nine months is listening and interviewing and doing focus groups with members of our community and we found that still when we mentioned ambition, they, they didn't like it as a word. And we thought, oh, that's really interesting. And, and not everyone, but we, we heard it a lot. 
And so we wanted to, for us, reframe ambition as something really positive because it has this maybe negative connotation, a bit aggressive and and it's not, right? Like if you're ambitious, not just for yourself, but for your community and for, for everyone around you, then that's how you drive you know, um, your purpose forward. That's how you drive business results forward. So we wanted, and we find today's um, women, like she's got the power to define what work is for her, whether that's being an entrepreneur, that's being in a corporate, that's being in a scale-up, flexible working, being a fractional, you know, we hear a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of fractional CFOs, CMOs, you know, all of that. I think we live in a time where women have never had more choices of how they define the work. And we wanted them to just really think about ambition as something positive, regardless, like whatever that means to them. And reframing ambition is just owning it for you and what, what that means for you. And and also seeing that it's, it's actually a really positive thing to be ambitious. I, I I find it so aligned with um, one of our events and the theme, which was uh, "Be Bold," um, and, you know, and and I think um, there is one thing that I I kind of fight against with um, our members or whoever comes across, uh, you know, my journey is why don't we ask more? Why don't you ask? more and I find it really um hand in hand the results that you get with what you ask so if it's not all let's say 99% of people who I worked with they're women business owners they start their journey with us saying oh I don't want a team I don't want a big business I just want, you know, um, my business to give me flexibility. Now, A, it's not defined, but also um, that kind of like, oh, I don't want big. I don't want more. Sets everything completely differently. And it changes. It really changes. Actually, you put... You put them in the mastermind groups. You put them with people who are actually growing their businesses, who are, you know, who are starting to recruit their team. It's the first one, second one, you know. Then they start to grow. So my, th- this is a theory that I have is, well, we were not thought to ask more and we weren't, be- we haven't been in business for you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Actually, if you look at it, we have been in business for a very small amount of time in very small uh, parts of the business as very, uh, holding very small jobs. And and we're just getting into understanding this as women. And in that sense, so here I'm coming back to this kind of um, fully women-filled environment. Mm -hmm. In that sense, do you think that, and it's it's kind of loaded this question, but do you think that if we keep it um, just, you know, women to women, um, are we going to miss out on dreaming bigger because we don't know how to? Or how do we how do we get out of that? Like, I'm not going to ask. More. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question, tricky question, but I think there's a few things that came to mind. Like, we need to speak openly about our ambitions. We need to speak openly about money. If you think about the, the way men behave, they'll, they'll share their salaries. They say, this is the bonus I got. This is what base I'm on. 
women never ever do that like hardly i remember asking um members of my peer group like their base and and they were all really uncomfortable i was like well this is what i'm on you know when i was in my previous roles and they're like oh okay well this is what i'm on and and it's just encouraging to have those conversations because the more we can ask more have those conversations understand what like how do you make more money how can you negotiate about how do you ask for more how do you then it it just it, it just feels and you get more right and i think you know and that's why i guess for us we want to empower women to to get in touch with like what is it they really want right like i know that i want to turn this business into the global home for women in business right that's my ambition like it's gonna you know and we're on our way to do that and i'm very open about that and i talk about that and i'm constantly thinking about how can i do that i speak to investors i speak to you know movers and shakers men and women you know to, to just to, to learn from them so i think you just uh, and maybe not every woman wants that and that's okay but if you do and you feel there's that fire in your belly that you want to do more like speak to everybody you can about it Ask them how they made money. I mean, I was with a female founder yesterday and, you know, she's, she's crowdfunding and um, I've invested in her business and I was like, how's it all going? And she's like, yeah, it's tricky. I'm like, well, I know so-and-so, so I'm just going to connect you. It's, and it's a woman I really believe in and support. So when I can, I help, right? And we just need to do a lot more of that and, and just be really open with when I need help, you know, and and ask for help. I think, you know, it's don't, don't, um, you know, like this, I, I've built some great relationships with female founders and we help each other, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just take, it's give and take. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And just uh, uh, ask for help. I don't know if that answers, but I think, you know, and I make sure that I speak to men and women. And when, you know, we have some of our events, we, we do have um, men there but really our mission is to advance women in business to help women at every like meet them wherever they are in their career whether you're a founder mid-level manager or c-suite mm. it's really about being open about the opportunities the challenges and using our expertise to help you get there yeah i love i love what you're saying and i totally agree i mean and it is a constant inner battle for me like actually my my this year I I said to myself this year I'm gonna be a diva and I'm gonna like even if I go to a you know a place to get sandwich I'll be like oh can I have this 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 and that sandwich you know asking for things that I would usually be not like willing to ask because I'm gonna make a fuss and I guess that's 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 a little bit cultural a little bit being women so you know, when you said yeah, something right. about like some women don't have that fire, this is where I go. I think uh, places like Albright, Academy for Women Entrepreneurs, or, you know, any places where they bring different horizons, uh, uh, different women from different horizons together, it actually, I think, is almost um, contagious, yeah. that passion. Once, once you meet someone who wants more, who ask more, who, who, who's doing more, then you get that vibe and, and, and you start to go, actually, you know what? And I think that is really, really important. And, and, and yeah, but, really- it, it, but it's also hard work, right? You can't just become an entrepreneur and think, well, I'm just going to make money overnight. Like it, it's, it's hard work. I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's like 60 hour week is a good week, right? It's, it's hard work and you hustle and, and that's part of the journey. So you have to really, really love it. And 
you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs that, that come in through our building, but don't realize what it takes to oh, make yeah. the business a success. So I'm not shy about that as well. It's your, you know, you're never really off. Right. And, and that, that's okay. So I think you just, I think you have to be realistic and you have to listen to, to what you want. Cause it's not for any, and you, you have lots of experience working with entrepreneurs. It's, it's not for everyone. Right. No. And, and um, another thing I, I, I always say that I believe in hard work in the value of hard work. And I think asking makes that hard work easier. If you don't ask, actually, that's when hard work becomes grind and hassle. It's not hard work. It's just hassling because you're on your own. You're trying to do something. It's like one step further, two step back. And you haven't asked for for help or for, you know, you haven't put it out there. And that's when actually I feel like hard work becomes not enjoyable because hard work I love I hard work I I work all the time but I love it because it 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 fuels me so okay we are coming towards the end but I have a few more questions so in terms of reframing ambition asking what could you, and you do have a lot of women entrepreneurs in your community, uh, much more than us. Um, I see you as like big sister. So what could you say to women entrepreneurs on how to reframe their ambition? So just specifically to women entrepreneurs. I think it's um, really taking the time to be clear on what you want. You know, not just like be really, really clear Um talk about it, get, have friends challenge it, socialize the idea. Um, and once you're clear on your goal, then it's it's really about creating that path of how you get there, right? And, you know, and I'm sure all the women do that, but it, it doesn't just happen. It happens in stages. It, you know, asking is also about building relationships first. You don't ask like, you know, so I think it's, it's really under like, you know, and sense check your your business as well and your idea, right? Why is it unique? Test it, get feedback. Um, and then I just, I think just prepare, right? You can never over-prepare. So I think for me, that's really, that's really important. Like I know, you know, when we launched a new product, I, I stress tested with customers. I got good feedback, constructive feedback, negative feedback. I was very clear on what we wanted it to do. And then be prepared that the, what your, your, your initial ambition or your initial desire for the product will change. You know, I have a friend that's looking to launch a business and um, he, he keeps saying, oh, maybe I should do it this way. Maybe I should. And he gets advice from everyone. And I just look at him. I say, it doesn't really matter because the way you do it is just not going to work at the beginning. Right. So be clear on what you want. Just go and try. And you're going to have to win and fail throughout the year until you get the product where you want it to be. Like we launched the product here a year ago and we shifted it. We, we were, you know, we made changes to it in the first year because that's what happened. So Mm. I think be clear on what you want and then just go like start. Don't wait for the perfect moment. Don't wait for the perfect investor. Don't wait for the perfect, like just start. Right. Because that's, it's, it's like, we all dream about having our, like, not all, but I think many women dream, dream about having their business and doing X, Y, Z, but you just, you have to just start, right? Mm. I think that's the difference. That is, um, yeah, and, and uh, I, I love what you said. So get clear, build relationships, 
and start and be ready that uh, a um, tech entrepreneur that I had listened to years ago. I don't know if you've heard of Cora Kids. She's the founder of Cora yeah. Kids. Um, she had said, you know, you need to make peace with change and it will change every three months. Things will change. Um, so that's yeah. exactly what you're saying as well. Um, I see it here. Like we have, you know, staff members who after a while like tap out, right? Because like it's just too much change. And I said, fair, like when you're working in a, in, in a smaller company, it's constant change. So you need, and I think you have to be comfortable with that. And regardless of actually whether you're in a small or large company now, change is the new normal. Like it's hard to forecast. It's hard to predict anything. So you have to get really, really comfortable with that. Definitely. So Viv, when I speak to you, it's like this powerhouse woman, you know, Zena warrior. She mm -hmm. has an amazing family with two kids. She's, um, you know, you're the CEO. Everything looks so, you know, big achiever. So tell me what keeps you awake at night? Gosh, I've got, I always get this answer, <laughs> this question. Sorry, I always get this question. Uh, one, I don't have it all figured out, right? Um, and different things keep me awake, you know, at different times. Um, you know, um, the business, cash flow, I think about. Sometimes I think about my family. It just depends what's, what's happening in my life at the time. Um, I often get asked, oh, how do you balance it? Oh, I don't. There's weeks where I'm really good at it. And there's weeks where I'm really shit at it. Um, so I focus on presence a lot. So when I'm at work, I'm present, I'm listening, I'm 100% here. When I'm home, I'm 100% um, there. I would say what's really helped my well-being um, and what's helped me sleep at night rather than keep me up away is, um, is just looking after my health, right? So I'm, you know, I... I make sure that I've, I've got a good uh, morning routine. I've got a good evening routine. I exercise. I, I meditate. I take walks. I take a lot of time for myself. And, and I think the, you know, that perception that a CEO doesn't is, is outdated, right? I don't take any meetings before a certain time in the morning so I can make space to read the papers, to read industry news, um, to go for a walk or go for a run and, it's the only way that I can be my best self in every aspect of my life is to, to really fierce, um, fiercely prioritize me. Right. And, and I think that's really, really important. And, and because of that, my sleep is better. Right. I would say in the past I've been go, go, go and not prioritizing myself as much. And it's not, you know, I think sometimes we think about it as being selfish and, you know, when I sit on panels with mothers and they talk about guilt and I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't have any, and I know that sounds really perhaps wrong or arrogant, but I make sure that I make time for, that I integrate everything in the best way that I can. Like my parents worked, both of them, their, like my whole life. So I don't know any different, right? Uh, but what I try and do is just make sure that I, I put me first so I can be the best that I can everywhere else. You fill the bucket before you pour it. Exactly. There's so many different analogies for it. <laughs> Put your mask on before the others <laughs> do this. But I do. I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, and, and a friend of mine calls it like um, fiercely self-compassionate, right? And I think that's, you know, I think pe more leaders are realizing that in order to be the best they can, they have to look after their well-being. Oh, 100%. Yes. So 
that and making time for it is not taking time out of your life actually that is the priority that's that's um that's an amazing um thing so right we're coming towards the end um and um i have two more questions the first one is do you remember the last book that really kind of went into your heart the name and what is the podcast or you know, a person that you're following or, or you're reading constantly? Okay, I'm going to answer the second one first so you can give me time to think of the first one. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of um, Steve Bartlett's um, Diary with the CEO. Mm-hmm. I really like that and because it's got a nice breadth of business leaders, neuroscientists, health. So I, I, listened, uh, I listened to that. I listened um, to Elizabeth Day's podcast as well. Yeah, um, had to fail. I think that's really brilliant. Love it. The name um, even. <laughs> yeah, um, a book that I read that I really, really loved was um, "Soul for Happy." I read that last More year. More Yeah. Yeah, amazing I read, book. I read that last year and I recommended it to everyone. And in fact, I I then went on to a retreat that he was hosting um, because I loved it so much and I learned so much from him. So I think that one had a, like a really um, big impact on me as well. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. I promise the last question is coming. So the name of this podcast is She's Awesome. Mm -hmm. And the reason why um, I went into it, it's a little bit in the same uh, line as reframing ambition, owning owning your thing, right? And um, I noticed that um, we women are not really good at owning our awesomeness. So I always finish every interview with the same question. Viv, why are you awesome? Oh gosh, um, I think for so many reasons. Uh, Amazing, <laughs> I love it. Like, um, you know, I, I generally care about lifting others up, uh, particularly my team. Right, mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm really passionate about that, and I think I, you know, I, I'm in this unique position where I do something I'm that's that gives back and has purpose, but also drives commercial growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do it all while having fun, right? And I just think that's that's life, you know, enjoying it. Um, so I, hopefully that's a few reasons, but yeah. That is pretty awesome. Thank you so much, Viv. I know that you're a busy woman and thank you for giving us your time and sharing your journey and uh, your tips, your golden nuggets with us and with our listeners. Um, and uh, I cannot wait to put this on air and we'll let you know. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.